What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Rawcast, brought to you by Onyx Hunt Maps. And I am back from Alaska, the Great Doll Sheep Adventure, and we were successful on the last day. Gosh, it would have been, I think it was day, the morning of day nine is when we got it done. Day nine in the field, and I think it, it was the 18th, so it was eight days into the season. It was a trip, that's for dang sure, um, but yeah, we got it done on a an awesome ram. I couldn't be more happy um, that we're going to do the whole a podcast about, you know, the day by day, how it went down, go more in depth on the gear. I'm going to dive into the gear a little bit in this week's hot minute and just talk about like the initial things that come to mind. But overall, like my stuff was pretty dialed. Um, I'm really happy with what I brought. There's a couple things I would have switched up and, um, and yeah, so hopefully that helps you just for all the the other hunts that are coming up. So latest episode, I don't know if the tipsy will go before this episode or not, but I did a, t- a podcast with the Davis Tent guys, and we just talked about tents and materials and wall tents and sizes and things like that. So that's a really that'll be a really helpful podcast here coming up. Um, new Rockside articles: the Black Ovis uh, Chugash twenty degrees sleeping bag. Jaden Bales reviewed that. The Hoyt, uh, Hoyt Ventum 33 bow review is up. Zeiss Victory SF32 binocular review is on. Um, and then the uh, there's a article comparing the Vortex Razor UHD versus the Swarovski SLC binoculars. That's up. Um, Robbie just reviewed the First Light Traverse Gator, which is their um, their shorter like lighter duty gator I would say a lot of people are using those with like tennis shoes or really low top shoe that's up and then uh Jim Carr reviewed the the crispy Wyoming two boot um it's just their second rendition that they came out with a year or two ago so that is up those are the new Rockside articles over on the website um Hot news that has happened. Uh, so the Montana Commission is considering multiple proposals. I believe that this date that they were going to hear all these was about four days ago, and I haven't heard an update. Um, but they were going to consider wolf hunting and trapping seasons is one of the three big things that they're considering. They would allow snares for trapping, increase the bag limit, and allow a person to take more than one wolf per license. Then they were also going to address trapping setbacks, which a setback is basically how far from like a major trail or like populated area traps can be placed, of course, for domestic dogs and things. Uh, the other thing they're considering is the sheep. So are considering relocating some bighorn sheep. The Wild Horse Island herd is, they call it a source herd, and um, the they didn't get to, to run it in 2020, but in 2019, the study showed there was like 140, 150 sheep on the island, and their objective is like 100 to 120. And so they were thinking that they could move some of those other places to help with their populations. And... Um, another proposal is to make any license and permit valid for elk and deer during the general season will now be valid for the muzzleloader season um, that runs December 11th through the 19th. 
So those are some things. Again, they were just proposals. I haven't heard the outcomes on that, but I'll update you as I know. Um, and then down in Colorado, they are paintballing mountain goat kids to mark their offspring so they're easier to keep tabs on. Um, there was a disease a couple of years ago that almost wiped out that age class of kids. And so now they're hoping to get um, some baseline info on what went on and why they got so sick and it killed a bunch of them. So they're marking them so they can keep better, better tabs on them. Um, the one suspected thing they talked about was E. coli, but they don't really know the cause yet. But that's one thing they said that year. There was really high E. coli counts or concentration or whatnot in the, in the soil. So they were, they were wondering about that. Um, well, on to uh, kind of keeping this one short. On to the hot minute, just major gear mentions, notorieties, whatever, for uh, from a sheep hunt. So I did come out with a 2021 gear list. A lot of that was the things that I was going to be taking into the backcountry with me. Um, there, you know, there were some people that reached out that. I was on the fence with some things and they, you know, solidified the for those for me or they told me I was taking too much stuff and I took it anyway and I'm really happy that I took it. Um, and all that is going to be dove into when we actually talk about the pod or talk about the sheep hunt in depth and exactly what I took for gear and what I would and wouldn't take again. But these are just the highlights. So I took the Salewa Raven 3 boots as far as like the sole and the rand goes, like they did great. Um, the last couple of days we made a really big push to get to the ram and then to get out. And a lot of that, you know, all this stuff was through rock. Like it was just rocky country in there. Um, so the sides are like, a, I should have looked this up to remember exactly what they were, but they're kind of like a, I want to say a Cordura material, but kind of like that on the sides like they have um it has a little bit of like texture to it and I think like rocks were having a really easy time grabbing onto that texture and it just wore it through um by the time I left like the sides of my boots where I was like in the in the rocks a lot that material has basically like frayed off um so I will um I'll post pictures I'm going to try to do a video of this very same thing as well. Um, so I don't know. They, I don't want to ever say that they, I don't want to ever say they leaked. Things were just so wet for so long that it was hard keeping everything, um, really waterproof when we were doing some, some crossings and whatnot. And we were doing a big movement. So our feet were sweating too. So, um, I, I don't really want to, comment on that until I get them in the bathtub and do a little bit of a test now that everything's over. But the sides did fray out. I would recommend going with a boot and like, I like the synthetic boots. I got along with it really well. It held up really well. Um, but maybe going with one that's like more of like the, um, the La Sportiva, like the Trango Cube. That's just what I'm used to. It has more of like a plastic on the side of it that um, I think the rocks would just slip right around. It wouldn't like grab a hold of it. Um, and then like just a straight up leather boot. I had um, my camera guy buy the crispy, the crispy Brickstall boots. He just had the regular 
Brixtles with, I, I don't remember if I had him get the uninsulated or if I had him get the 200 insulation, but he didn't have the stiff flex, which is what I was runner up for me on boots to take. Um, but I was hiking with these Ravens. I really liked them and they performed really well as far as like, you know, around the Rand and the sole and just like being a really good boot. They were a great boot for me. Um, but they did, the sides did fray out. So that's something that maybe going, going back, I think I would take the Brixtel SF, the stiff flex. Um, my guide was wearing Kenetrax. Seemed like he got along good with those. Our packer was wearing the crispy hunters. Um, seems like he had a pretty good time with those. There was some times where like when he would go to flex, like when the boot was flexing, when we were climbing or whatever, it like the first eyelet was like flexing a lot and it was hitting his toe. Um, so that could be a fit issue. Not sure. Didn't dive into it a lot. It was right there at the very end. And we had kind of a, a rough pack out night. So could have just been what happens but those are the boots that we all had there was four of us um I was the only one with synthetics I I think that they they performed really well I was pretty um I'm really happy with them except for the fraying part which add another couple of days back there and maybe they would have like worn all the way through and then I wouldn't maybe be so happy but basically that's that's what happened for like the lower 48 stuff when you're like you're not in around rocks like that very often in the lower 48 um, in my opinion, this is not, it was, I have never seen the rocks like that, like all the time travel, but, um, but yeah, so that's what I have to say on the boots. Uh, the sleeping pad that I took was the big Agnes Q core. I actually, on the way up there, I was listening to a podcast of some guys talking about how they redid the, like the standardizing of R value for sleeping pads. And the Q core comes in at like three, two, which is on the lower end of what I've always, you know, recommended to people. I thought it'd be really good for this trip. I don't want to say it was bad, but there was a few times where it was like, it was colder. And if I'd have known that the weather was going to turn like it did and like we got snowed on and the whole nine, um, I probably would have taken a different, different kind of pad. Um, probably like, a the other pad that I have is a, an X-Ped Sinmat 7. That would have been a good pad. It's just a little bit heavier than the Q-Core. Of course, I want to stay light. So that's what I took. You know, looking back, I would have, I really probably would have looked into like a Thermarest. Um, the X-Therm, that thing, the R-value on that's really high. And, um, but yeah, I think that um, I attribute the times that I did get a little chilled, I attribute that more to the pad than I do to my sleeping bag, which I took the Kefaro 20 degree sleeping bag. It's a synthetic. I do not know how you would run or I would not want to run anything but synthetic up there. And that was just reinforced this trip with how wet it was and how wet it was all the time. And and, you know, when, when it was time to, to pack camp and go, like we were packing camp and going, there was no like drying out and the sun didn't come out long enough for, um, three quarters of the trip or seven eighths of the trip to even, um, dry anything out. So that was something, something that was really, that was really good. Um, that sleeping bag was great. I got to dry a lot of things out in that, that, um, in a down bag, you just wouldn't have been able to do. 
So that's one thing. Um, probably bump that that Q core pad and go to something with a little bit more R value. Um, and then, uh, kind of along the lines with the sleeping pad, I talked about instead of taking, like I usually use like a Thermarest Z seat. It's just like a, simply a seat that you just sit on. It's a foam pad. Well, they also have those that they call them like a Z rest. Um, I picked one up from Camel Fire that was called, that was an Alps mountaineering version, but it's basically, it's just like a foam pad that, um, folds up like an accordion really light. They're a little bulky, but I chose to ditch my little sitting pad and go with that. I just cut it down to three quarter length. My reasoning was if we're on the rocks, I can use that underneath my sleeping pad to give it a little bit more, uh, protection. And then it'll give a little bit more umph on my R value too, which turned out to be really nice. As soon as I put that pad underneath, you know, the top, you know, two thirds of that pad or underneath of it, it, it did help with the warmth a bit and you could really feel it. Like I know your feet aren't getting a lot of warmth down there as much, but you could feel how it seemed a bit cooler once you got, um, on the side of the pad that, that, that a foam pad wasn't underneath, if that makes any sense. So that was really awesome. Um, definitely. I actually left it up there for those guys. So, um, I need to probably just just grab another one for the season. I was a big fan of that, especially like even when we were sitting out like drinking coffee or whatever, you know, you can just give it one quick fold and you basically have a seat sized thing or you can fold it completely out. And there's a couple of those times it was just like wet on the ground and it was kind of cold and I wanted to keep my feet off the ground too. So I just rolled that thing out and then I could just kind of sit there and have everything off the ground. So that was nice. I would definitely do that again. Um, I wore, there's a few questions I had on the first light pants that I wore and how I liked them. Um, so they were the, the corrugate foundry pants. I wore the prototypes of those last year on Kodiak and, and all the hunts that I did last year. They were really nice. Um, I really liked them a lot. And so this year I just got a gray pair for this sheep hunt, um, as it turns out, I lost a little bit of weight, so the 34s were a little bit big for me. I should have went to like a 32 long probably. Um, but, you know, overall the pants held up like extremely well. My camera guy was wearing the same pants, and they were great. So um, those were good. And then I brought puffy pants, um, and that was really that was really big. It didn't take long for me. The first cool morning when we were sitting on the ridge glassing, um, I was like, yeah, these puffy pants are definitely worth every ounce of the, the weight and the bulk and they don't really weigh that much. So big fan of those. And then of course the jacket, I wore the Uncompadre puffy jacket. And then, um, something that there's a few people that are like, oh, I wouldn't even deal with packing that is the Brooks down vest. Well, the thing is so light and is so small. I hated not to take it. And I'm a big vest person and I'm really glad I did. Like that was so nice, um, to be able to like, I would just take it out and throw it over the top of my, um, like fleece layer. And for a lot of the time that was like really good. 
Um, when the wind really came up, I would put that in compadre on, or I would just put my rain jacket over the top of that, um, fleece and vest. And that was, a, that was really good. That was super comfortable. So I would definitely do that again. Um, another thing was the tent. I brought my own tent, a Hilleberg Neak and the, my camera guy just used the tents that the outfitter was providing and they had, um, tarp tent rainbow twos and for the shit that we went through those things held up really awesome there was one time I thought we were going to break a bunch of them I was a little worried about my Hilleberg also we just got into some crazy wind gusts and uh and weren't quite prepared for it I guess but uh but we got all out of there nobody's there was a couple of tent poles that bent a little bit but there was nothing that broke um, as far as I know. And yeah, but I am glad I brought my own tent. My tent was a little bit warmer than the other guys, uh, for sure. I didn't have like, it wasn't just big bug netting everywhere. Like the inside of those tents are, um, you know, mine's a little bit more, has more of a bathtub floor. The material is a little bit different on the inside. So there was one, um, or a couple mornings I think that the guys woke up and they had like frost on their sleeping bags and I never experienced that so um, I would definitely bring that tent again Um, and then last thing here quick so the charging equipment that I brought so I brought uh, as far as things to charge I had my headlamp which it obviously doesn't get that dark up there but it definitely gets dark like there's not it dark enough to that you're going to want to use a headlamp um, in most situations. I would, personally would just hate to not have a headlamp with me. Um, so I had that. That was rechargeable. Didn't use it enough to need to recharge it again. And I'll go through which one that is because I don't remember. It's a Petzl. Oh, man. Petzl something. And it's just a rechargeable or it takes triple A's. And then... Uh, I took my Garmin inReach, which needed recharged, and my phone that, of course, needed recharged, and then we had camera batteries, which um, me and my my camera guys kind of tried to break up how much, like, what we were charging and, and keep that in, and then I brought a solar panel, so I brought the Dark Energy Poseidon charger. It's a 10,000 milliamp charger, and then I brought a 21-watt solar panel. Um, mine is from Raf Power. I see you can't buy those anymore, but the Anchor one that's on Amazon looks exactly like it, so I wouldn't be too opposed to to trying that one. But it's a 21 watt panel. It's a hell of a lot lighter and cheaper than like the Goal Zero one. And when we had sun, it worked fantastic. But um, where I'm getting at with that is that system would have been great. I should have brought two. Um, two charging packs instead of just my one. My camera guy had a few of them too, and we just bounced back and forth off each other and, and charged what we could. Um, but I, you know, we spent two full days in the tent, didn't really get out, and another two that were pretty damn nearly the whole time. Um, and so I spent a lot of time on the inReach and my phone. So... Um, that's something just to keep in mind. And I definitely, for me, it was, it was worth the wait. So I would have brought two charging packs 
And for somebody that's not you like charging stuff and using stuff a lot, um, one pack for 10 days is going to get pretty tight. I think I would still bring two if you weren't bringing the panel. So something to think about there. And then also cords. The My inReach takes a micro USB cord and just inevitably that little freaking like the part that plugs in is just chintzy on like all of the cords that I've seen. So they're cheap, especially the short ones are super light. Like I would throw two of those things in there. Um, you know, our guide even had a backup and his was starting to, to do the same thing. They just, especially if you plug them in when you're packing or something, you throw it into your lid, they just get bent around and they break easy. So I would definitely take a couple of cords for like a backup. That would have been a good idea. Um, other than that though, we were, I was pretty damn good with what I had. And again, I'm going to talk about the, I kept notes on this hunt, like a tiny journal. And so we could talk about kind of what happened every day and then, you know, talk about the gear that I took and, and really get this, this story out there. So, um, I've had a lot of people that are itching to hear it and it is pretty cool. I mean, in short, we had the first day of season was clear and sunny. It was beautiful. We got within 300 yards of two, like a little banana rams that had been with two legal rams. And one of them that I really wanted to shoot, he flared out, um, quite a lot. And we'd watched him the day before season and the night before that. And so I felt like I had a little bit of a history with him already. And, and they just never showed up or they slipped out. Not sure. But so we got that in and then, you know, the next day we were planning on trucking right up the ridge, getting on like the main divider ridge of the range and going sheep hunting. And the next morning we woke up to a lot of rain and, um, you know, we, we got up and we're glassing around a little bit with that. And then the fog rolled in and it got foggy for pretty much three quarters of the day. It, It cut out that, that second day. I remember it cut out like the last quarter or so of the day. And then we woke up the next morning, it was zero, zero, like completely fogged in. It was raining. It was actually pretty damn windy too. And so we spent all day in the tent and pretty much from there, it was like, we'd get half days of breakage. And even then with the breakage, it was like, it would stop raining and it would clear up just patchy enough that we could, you know, make our way up and get on the ridge and whatever. But for the most part, it never really cleared off until that last day um, or the second to last day when we made like a big move and uh, moved to the other side of the valley to get on these sheep. So we had a we had an all-nighter to get to the sheep. We had an all-nighter to get out to make it to the airstrip in time and, and it was absolutely worth it. The ram is uh, very badass. Like I'm super, super proud of that and um, and what we did to go what we went through to get that sheep was pretty cool. So that is going to be coming soon. Um, all right. So Onyx tip of the week. I was on Onyx quite a bit in those rainy days in the tent. And one thing that was really nice to just turn on and off is your trail slope and your mileage. So those are two different, um, 
those are two different layers that you can turn on. So you can turn on your trails and see those. But the cool thing about the mileage is just as you can imagine, it'll just give you a quick mileage count right next to the trail in between a couple of points. So you can think in your mind like how far that is, especially when you're trying to like glass across a basin or something like that. Being able to turn that mileage on and if there's a trail that goes across the, the basin, you can see quickly how far that is. Um, and then of course, just for your walking and then uh, slope is the next thing. So that is really nice. Basically what it does, you turn your trail slope layer on, it turns, if there's not much elevation gain, it'll, the trail will be green and then you'll see it go like, if you're going up a hill, it'll go like yellow that you're going up more and then it goes red if it's really steep. And, uh, so that's nice if you're trying to calculate like how long it's going to take you to get into somewhere or if it looks really steep on a map and then it is really steep or more so if it doesn't look very steep and then you see the trails red. I mean, it's probably steep as heck. I'm not a big fan of seeing the red trails, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, season's coming up. So if Onyx is a fantastic tool, I use it all the time. We use it all the time. We share pins back and forth to each other. Um, it's really fantastic. So if you want to go check it out, go to onyxmaps.com forward slash hunt. Go get you either uh, the package, the premium that will get you just one state that you're hunting in, or you just go big, get the elite package gets you all 50 states uh you'll have the land ownership information in there as well which with antelope season coming up it's going to be pretty big for a lot of people or if you hunt a lot of blm or cut up ground make sure you know where you're at and uh you can do that for all 50 states and if you use code rockcast at checkout you'll get 20 percent off so you should just go do it go check it out um so workout of the week more so what I learned hiking and the fitness stuff for sheep. Um, I'm going to talk about this more in the, in the sheep podcast, but we guys up there just run on a little bit different, different hiking schedule, which I'm a big fan of. You know, we went at a very slow pace that was manageable for everybody on the, on the trip and also that we could get up, like once we made a big climb and we got up there, if we saw a sheep, we could go make a move on it. And my experience with getting to hunt with a lot of people down here in the States is it's like a contest and then we've made it this somehow. It's like a contest to who can get to the top of the mountain the fastest. And I filmed an elk hunt a couple of years ago that we were going from the bottom to the top all the time. And it was like as fast as we could get there. And when we'd get to the top, we were all smoked. And then you hear an elk down the, the other side and you're like, this doesn't seem like that much fun. So, and more so what I want to get at that is, um, I think guys are hearing a lot of these people that are like, you know, you got to make it, this is the pace you got to go at. Like you got to be able to get up here in this amount of time. Like you got to do this, got to do that. And it's kind of hard um, or um, it's overwhelming for them because they're like, well, I don't feel like I'm in that good a shape to elk hunt like that, so I can't go. Like, I'm going to have to hold off another year so I can get my fitness better so I can go. And quite frankly, it's just a bunch of bullshit, 
Um, it's just, you need to, to go and get out there. And like what we were doing and what was big for this sheep hunt is, you know, legs and core was really important. The most important thing of the whole trip was absolutely not how fast you could hike, but you had to, you're traversing around on those rocks and boulders and you're on legit cliffs. Like you need to be able to handle a 50 pound pack on one leg pretty good. Because when you go step from boulder to boulder, you know, this one might be really sturdy and this one isn't. And so you can't just like put all your weight from one to the other really fast because that thing might come out underneath you. So the name of the game up there, which I know is a little bit different than here, I'm aware, is like, I think your core needs to be really good. Your legs need to be really good. And like slow and controlled is the is the big thing, like while wearing a heavy pack. So just something to to think about there. Um, I talked to my guide about it a little bit and he's like, you know, I've noticed that with, uh, with some guys that come up that are like, you know, you got to get to the top the fastest type of deal. Um, but I know it's not exact. Like there's times you have to move fast. I understand that. And there was times like we had to move fast on the sheep hunt, but as far as just moving from place to place, like I think everybody needs to slow the hell down and, enjoy it a little bit more because there was never really a time where all of us were just like killed because of the fitness side of things um which was which was really great so something to think about there um upcoming episodes i just talked with my buddy trent from born and raised and um trent fisher we're gonna that podcast will be out here pretty quick and then along with the the sheep hunting episode I'm gonna get my I can't really get my guide on until like pretty much December but uh I can certainly get my camera guy on as soon as I can and talk about the sheep hunt from his perspective this is like one of his this was like his first mountain voyage and he did awesome he went step for step with me never complained really kept my spirits high if anything and we, there's a lot of jokes and we just had, it was like the most miserable hunt I've ever been on, but it was also the funnest. So it's funny how we kind of have a sixth sense of adventure and where that can be so. So that's what's going on. We will talk to you guys on the next episode. Hope everybody is kicking antelope season off well and deer is going to start opening here pretty dang soon if not a lot of places and then september 1st just right around the corner so hope everybody stays safe and uh good luck out there